And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how are we doing? Jordan, I am doing fine. My Twitter mentions not so well. Not so well. Yeah, I've ducked out of mine a little bit. Well, that <laughs> to be honest, that's with always you. a good idea. Particularly a good idea when the Rams lose. Particularly, particularly good when the Rams lose to the 49ers. And really, really, really good when uh, something like Sunday happened. And Jordan, I know we want to start with Jared Goff. I'll I'll start with two things. Uh, one. Since Sean McVay came in in 2017, and and this, uh, by the way, was a, a focal point of your of your story, your column that was on that is on the Athletic app and website, and everybody should go check that out immediately. Uh, but I I concur with you with what some of what you said, which is that since Sean McVay has been on board 2017, I have never heard him uh, be that direct about any player. I don't think, and, and specifically about his quarterback about Jared Goff, but he had some very pointed comments about Jared Goff that I know I, I know you can explain very well. That's my first point. Second point, just to get it on the board right now, they're not going to bench Jared Goff. So if that's what you're uh, listening no. to this podcast hoping to hear, and, and I know some of you are, I am here to deliver the bad news uh, straight away. But Jordan, we've talked about Jared pretty much every week, and uh, boy, this, this game was a journey, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So you know, let's put it into context too, because the Rams are seven and four. That's a respectable record at this point. They've got some beatable, I think, beatable opponents ahead. Uh, one tough one against Seattle, but San Fran's now out of the way. Obviously, they have lost twice to them this season, lost twice to them last season. Not a great taste in one's mouth, but they are out of the way. And Considering everything that San Francisco is going through right now, I, I'm not even sure if they would see them in any sort of like situation in the postseason. But again, looking forward to being wrong about that at some point. So, you know, it. the other part of the context, too, is Sean McVay was pissed after the loss, as he should have been. His football team turned the ball over four times. Jared Goff was responsible for three of those. And not just that, but he was responsible for three maybe would-be so fixable turnovers in situations that he has certainly seen before as a quarterback in instance where should have taken a sack, uh, tried to force the ball out. It led to six for the other team, Javon Kinlaw, um, who I covered actually extensively back when I was in the Carolinas. Um was in the throwing lane that Jared tried to force the ball through and, and brought it down and ran it back. Um, you know, another interception pretty much directly to Richard Sherman 
um, you know, the fumble that was recovered, you know, it's, it was not good. And then Malcolm Brown also had a turnover, but Jared Goff has been responsible for the bulk of the Rams Rams turnovers this season. And that's a huge issue. And so when Sean was speaking post game, he was talking about how we have to take better care of the football. That's his standard. We have to do this. We have to do that. We have to get it fixed. The Royal we. However, I did ask him then specifically, what is the commonality between all of these turnovers? And he, again, post game was pretty frustrated and said the quarterback has to take our quarterback has to take better care of the football, which was not a lie. So I think for a lot of people in the fan base, it was refreshing actually to hear him actually say this, this specific situation is a problem. We have to get it fixed. This person is turning the ball over and he has to get it fixed. If it were a running back doing the same thing, I should hope that he would say the same thing. If Aaron Donald came out on the field and decided to just sit down at the 50 yard line and take a nap, I would hope that he would say the same thing, (laughs) you know, because that's, that's a situation where if the problem is clear, he addressed the problem, they addressed it. He addressed it briefly publicly and then addressed the problem obviously internally. And they went, went over their film study on Monday morning, bright and early. And now they're moving forward and trying to find the answer. Yeah. First of all, if Aaron Donald decides to take a nap, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm, I'm not going to go wake him up. I mean, that's, you know. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't go wake yeah. him up, but I would hope that Sean would at least say something from a separate room. Sure. Somewhere. Maybe send him a note <laughs> or something later on. Like, yeah. Not that this would ever happen in any reality that we currently Yeah, I, I, no, but. I don't think so either. But uh, but yeah, really interesting uh, stuff, Jordan. And, and I know Sean followed up on, on Monday when he did his kind of day after a call with with you uh, beat reporters and kind of said uh, I'll, par- I'll paraphrase but kind of like he he wouldn't say those things um if he didn't have high expectations for jared and and i thought that was a good way to put it that's that's very fair uh he's not taking shots at the guy it's that he knows what jared's level is and he knows he can be better than that and he's holding him to that standard so i i, I liked hearing that too uh, i think people get a little bit you know, Sean does uh, veer into coach speak quite a bit, and and that's fine. Uh, he still says a lot of interesting things, but in those situations, he does tend to get very general. Like we have to do a better job, you know. I have to do a better job. He very rarely, you know, puts it on a player like that. But look, you can't turn the ball over the way Jared Goff is turning it over, as you noted in your story no. ten times in the last four games. And and I know people want to dissect other things. You know, they want to dissect like, oh, why is he missing? this open receiver why isn't he reading this defense the right way you know why look that stuff is important i'm not saying it's not important but the turnovers will kill you number one thing that can cost you a football game right there and and you can look you're, you're going to have problems 49ers defense over has given the Rams problems has given Jared problems has given the run game problems like that stuff is going to happen you're going to run into defensive coordinators who can who can give you some trouble and who are going to exploit your weaknesses a little bit but to make I that Jordan that Richard Sherman interception where was that ball supposed to be going other than to Richard Sherman did could you even tell it looked like there was some sort of a miscommunication on the on the route from Robert Woods and then the the sort of catch point that Jared Goff had intended. Now, 
it was so far off by so many yards that I think, um, you know, it goes maybe a little bit beyond a miscommunication. Maybe it also, I don't know, maybe there was a, some sort of a slip. Maybe he didn't set his foot. I mean, maybe it, it sailed on him a little bit. I mean, that was, that was really bad. Um, that's something that's fixable. I think an interception like that goes kind of more along the same lines of, of missing open receivers. And there was a, a miss to Daryl Henderson that I know is, is sort of a thorn in the side of, of Rams fans today. And, and that's fair. Um, and then, but, but the ones that are really bad to me are when, um, fundamental stuff does not apply, right? When you're supposed to slide, if you're, if you are taking off with the football and you're trying to get some extra yards, I respect it. Not even mad if you try to do that in reasonable situations, but then it's quarterback one-on-one, then you slide and you cradle the football and you avoid the punch out or the, the fall, you know, landing on the ball, you avoid injury. When you don't slide, you continue to make yourself quote unquote, an eligible running back. So this is what we saw for so many years, why referees would argue that they weren't giving Cam Newton calls, for example, which that's another topic of BS for a whole entire different podcast. But it, for so many years, they would argue, okay, well, he's eligible as a running back, so he can he can take the tough hits or the helmet-to-helmet contacts. That don't, you slide not only to avoid that, but also to protect the football because the second a player sees that you are going down into the slide position, they are trained to pull up. So they're not attacking the football. They're not making a play on that ball. If you are going forward instead of going down into the, the slide position, you are completely eligible for whatever happens to you at that point in the, in the eyes of the, of the defender. So that to me was not good. That's fundamental issue, right? That's something he's seen so many times, right? Right. Then the other one that was not great that we've also seen on another occasion is when you need to take a sack and you don't take the sack and you instead force a throwing lane and you do it without, um, you know, in, in such a heavy traffic area with guys swarming with free, with rushers getting free of their blocks. And so now they're in your throwing lanes and they're putting their arms up in your throwing lanes. And you understand because you've seen it on tape so many times. And because you've also had to be coached through these types of situations when you've made these errors in the past, and then you still force the football instead of simply folding around it and taking the sack in that situation, which you very, you, you could have, you could have just, and it came out of this, you know, to open the second half, right. which also was not great because you could have just had your two turnovers in the first quarter or the, the, the first half, you could have had your two turnovers and you could have just been like, all right, you know what? Uh, it's seven, three. And we're resetting in the locker room and we're completely resetting. And okay, so what if, if, um, you know, we have to punt on this drive because I took a sack on what was it second down. So what if I have to take that sack and we have to punt on this drive? We didn't allow points. We're resetting again with, with a punt and the score is still in a manageable situation. We've also put our defense in a manageable situation. So to me, that like I can even forgive the the Richard Sherman thing. It looked bad. I can forgive it. Yeah. What I what I don't think is acceptable, and what I think is a cause of frustration for Sean, who clearly, after gathering the players on the the offense on the sideline at one point and trying to talk them through all of the errors in the first half, 
coming out of the locker room at the halftime. I think that is one of those ones that just really sticks at you. Oh yeah. You know, especially when you're asked specifically, what is, what's the commonality in these turnover situations? That's the one that you, that keeps you up at night, those types of things. Oh yeah. I mean, it set the whole, I mean, the, the Rams went into a funk there for, for so long. They finally came out of it when, when Aaron Donald decided <laughs> he was just going to take over the game and turn things around. But I mean, they went into a total funk uh, after, after that interception uh, got returned. And uh, Jordan, I agree a hundred percent with you. And then the things that I, that gets me is that you can't say Jared is a young quarterback anymore. I mean, if you include the, the games he started in 2016, and and you know now more than half of this season you're talking about four full seasons worth of, of NFL games now and they're still seeing some things that you just you, you don't excuse now and they, like you said getting the, the sliding thing has always been an issue I don't know I, I'm just being honest I'm not being sarcastic I don't know why that that hasn't been addressed um, it, it seems like something you know, relatively small that that could be uh, addressed because not only is he putting himself at risk for for losing the ball, he's putting himself at risk for injury uh, to to take a hit like that, which fortunately has not happened, uh, but very yeah. easily could with some of the positions that he puts himself in that that you uh, just described. And then again, just some of the decisions. I mean, I, I think we talked about it at the beginning of the year, and you know, looking back to 2019, Jared Goff is yeah, you're not going to be perfect, but the one thing you can control if you're a quarterback you can't control the play calling you can't control the offensive line blocking sometimes you can't control what the running backs do the one thing you can control is holding on to that ball and making good decisions with where you put it Uh, and that's one thing that independent of anything else I know a lot of Rams fans want to talk about Sean McVay and I'm sure we'll do that here and, and some of the play calling and you know does he put Jared in the right positions with his play calling and that sort of thing. I think there are issues there. There absolutely are. Uh, But there's things that are independent of that, that Jared just absolutely has to do better. And these were things that he was doing in 2017 and 2018. And for whatever reason, there's just, there's a little bit of a switch that flips there. And uh, you, you get, I mean, people say it on Twitter. It's like good Jared, bad Jared. I mean, it's, there's very little middle ground at this point. He's either, really on it with some of those decisions and some of those throws, or you just look at it and you go, oh my goodness, you know, what's, what's going on here? So uh, it's, it's really tough, Jordan. I mean, we almost go week for week to week back and forth uh, with, with some of these and, and you just, you can't have that inconsistency uh, at, at such an important position, I don't think. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. No. Um, and the thing that I think like people listening, I mean, please understand that there are some things he does extremely well. And so I think it makes the, 
the inconsistencies that are simple execution errors. I think that is part of what makes it so much more frustrating. Just if you're kind of breaking it down psychologically, if the answer is right in front of you, but you're just walking right past it on an inconsistent basis, I think that that's what's, what's frustrating because, I mean, I just broke this down in a piece that I hope everyone read, although I know people were in turkey-induced comas last week. But it, Jared Goff, against specifically against blitz pressure, now this is not pressure overall, but specifically in, against blitz pressure, since the Miami game, his play success rate has doubled, has doubled against blitz pressure. His completion per, or his, excuse me, his quarterback rating has, has doubled. His completion percentage has gone up by like 30 points specifically against blitz pressure since the Miami game. Not factoring in yesterday, although they did beat a cover zero once on, on, uh, on third. I think it was even on third down. Right. And it was early on in the game. And, but you know what? Like it's, there are some things that he shows it is clearly, he has the ability to execute and has the ability to kind of stay within himself in that regard. But I think the frustration comes in my, my understanding after, you know, obviously I'm new, but being here for a few months and just watching this guy every single day, the frustration comes from you have all of the tools, all of them. Not only do you have all the tools, but you have a supporting cast that many quarterbacks in the league would just so envy. And so at this point, simple execution errors and then turnovers, which are the number one thing, like we said, that kill offensive momentum, that kill an offense that sets you up for failure, even down the stretch because it changes your entire game plan, um, especially the way that they committed it, where they were playing from behind for most of the game at this point. You know, it, it changes everything and it, it hurts everything. And the way I put it in my column, it was like the, the Rams offense, they don't ask Jared to do too much. Right. And, and that's pretty, I mean, that's pretty common across the league. Let's, let's, let's think big picture here for a second. There are some quarterbacks who have existed throughout history, maybe two or three in the league playing right now that have, that are able to play outside of themselves that are able to lift up an entirety of a, of a football team or to lift up an offense based on the fact that they exist on the field. Right. Um, and so at that point you cater your game plan to scheming around the quarterback specifically. Okay. But on average, the entire NFL for decades at this point, quarterback play tends to sink to the mean. Yeah. And so what you need to do if you're a smart offensive coach, which Sean McVay is, if you have a great staff, which he has, is you need to, all you need to ask of your quarterback is to play at the mean, is to be consistent, is to not force any outliers to change what you do at the mean, to play at the mean, and then the rest of your offense, because you are executing at the mean, the rest of your offense is supposed to then all execute together and then rise past the mean, be above average, be efficient. And that's that's what the Rams offense is designed to do with this cast of characters that they have. Okay? Yeah. But Jared Goff, with turning the ball over the way he is, he is forcing outliers upon this offense. The way that I put it in my column 
is that Cooper Cup set, you know, agrees, agreed and said that the, the offense operates as, as a, some of its whole and not necessarily individual parts. It's best when they are operating as a whole, a function of the whole of the entirety. And he's right. Mm-hmm. And so the way that I see it is like, I picture a hand curling into a fist. Maybe this says something about me psychologically. I don't know, <laughs> but I picture a hand and the fingers curl, each finger curls into the fist and you start to swing. Okay. Well, what if you are punching a bag, a wall, hopefully not another person, but a bag or a wall, and one of your fingers is now sticking straight out as you make contact. You break the finger, your entire hand is useless. That is what forcing outliers upon this offense does. Yeah, and this is this is the difference between the 2017-2018 Rams and then and most of the 2019-2020 Rams is because it was it was a symphony before. It was every every piece doing its own little part and and what you found what it created was Beautiful music, uh, you know, to, to use another, uh, look at it in another way, but it's the same. Yours is so much more peaceful than mine. What's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> Your metaphor is ni- it's nicer than mine. Well, we're talking about football, so yours is more apt, I think, <laughs> punching somebody in the face rather than playing the, the trombone or something. But uh, yeah. but it's the same. We're, we're, we're talking about the same thing here, you know, and, and this is the thing that, Jordan, I, I, I push back a little bit. But not too much because I understand when when people say, oh, Jared Goff is a system quarterback. And I think I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So so please tell me if you disagree. But I, I think where I look at it as, yeah, there are there's there's generational talents. There's there's the Patrick Mahomes of this generation. There's the Brett Favre of, of the 90s or whatever to where. Yeah, you put them on a football field, and and they could never have met the other ten guys that they're playing with, and they'd probably figure it out. Like they'd probably figure out a way to score a touchdown somehow. But so many of these other quarterbacks, yeah, you have a, you have a designed system, and and that's what Jared Goff is playing under. It's the system that Sean McVay devised or tweaked or or whatever you want to say when when he came in in 2017 because he knew what he had. He knew he had Jared Goff. He knew what Jared Goff's skill set was, so he figured out how to run the offense. Through Jared Goff and and what he had, what his skill set was, and and at the time you had a lot of other good parts. You had a, a healthy two thousand yard Todd Gurley. You had arguably the best offensive line in the NFL, um, and and now it's changed a little bit. But uh, you know, so all of these things kind of go hand in hand. And and I guess just to circle back, yeah, when 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 Jared does some of these things, when when he makes these bad plays and forces these turnovers it's like yeah however you want to put it it's it's the it's the finger sticking out or it's the it's the squeaky uh, instrument that that isn't isn't making the right sound but but either way it's 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 mucking up the works right and and it just you can't have that and and still have a, a productive consistent offense i don't think yeah and the main question i'd heard um since i got here was like oh what what do you think jared goff's ceiling is uh, even fellow analysts and colleagues ask me, what do you think Jared Goff's ceiling is? Well, I I don't think that's the right question to be asking even. I really don't think that's the right question. And I pose this in my column as well is I don't think you, if, if you're dealing with, again, you're dealing with, you understand that quarterback play across the league is going to settle into the mean. So you're trying to collectively raise your own average from your offense, but you do understand that extrapolating quarterback play, it's going to settle into, into the average, into the mean. Well, then 
everything else that happens below that, you need to you need to figure out how to raise that level up. So instead of asking like, oh, what's his ceiling? What what can he achieve with the Rams? What what could his ceiling be? Right. I think it, it sounds negative, but it's really not. I think you need to be asking what his floor is. Right. I think you need to I think you need to say, hey, let's have an honest conversation. Let's figure out what our quarterback's floor is. And at that point, you can start to raise that. You can plug in where those holes are, where those outliers are being forced that are killing your average and even your successful. And you can start to raise where that floor is and you can raise it a little bit incrementally higher every single year. And then maybe now you're kind of where you're at on his worst days. You're still you're still okay. Right. If that makes sense. Right. I think it's a weird question anyway, Jordan. Like, what's his ceiling? This guy, two years ago, he's 24 years old or whatever he was. He takes a team to the Super Bowl. He throws for uh, over 4,500 yards, I think. He throws for more than 30 touchdowns. I-, I think we found his ceiling. Like, that's, I don't know how much better you can get than that, other than like one scoring drive against the Patriots that would have won you a Super Bowl ring. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. I don't, I don't know what the, what there is beyond a ceiling, but you're right. It's, it's the other direction, uh, that is the bigger concern because I, I think we've seen what, what happens when everything is clicking. It's, it's, uh, hey, what's going on when, when there's problems and and how can they how can they get around it so i think what you're seeing is you're just seeing less of that consistency and and more of these issues popping up and it's not it's not it's not what you want um but you know we'll see we'll see if they can get it uh fixed or or i don't know i don't know if you're jared goff but jared you know jared's so even keel too i mean i know you talk to him on the video call after the game, it's, I know how hard it is to, you know, when you're not face to face with somebody, but it seemed like he was pretty, he was pretty Jared, right? I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't flustered or wasn't uh, upset. I mean, how, how do you think he's going to process uh, all of this? The thing is, is like, I have not been presented with one, even one iota of a variable that could put doubt into my mind that he's not processing it well, that he's not, handling the criticism well, that he's not understanding not only where Sean is coming from, but exactly seeing it himself, saying those same things to himself. And so I think that that's, that's what we're looking at here. I mean, I, I saw someone go out there and, and was like, you know, who does Sean think he is? Bruce Arians, who Bruce Arians had, you know, somewhat famously criticized Tom Brady a couple weeks back. That's not, this is not the same situation. (laughs) Okay. This is not the same situation. This was a situation where both the coach and the quarterback were fully aware and, um, had, had accepted that responsibility of, of what had happened. And it's also not like Sean McVay got up on the podium and was like, everything that ever happens to us. And then to me personally is Jared Goff's fault if it's bad. (laughs) And that's not at all what's happened. Sean, Sean even said the, the Royal we that he always falls back to consistently, but there was a moment where, and, and I do want to talk about this for a minute too, Rich. There was a moment where in, you know, in public, with the eyes of his other players in the locker room on him, Sean McVay, I think, made the right decision in criticizing briefly one sentence, um, criticizing Jared. And and I think 
I think that the things that we don't see now, now listen, before anyone freaks out, this is probably one of the better locker rooms I've ever been around. And I haven't even been in the damn thing. (laughs) So these guys, they really get along with each other. They like each other. They care about each other. The way that everybody interacts at practice is really cool to watch. There's a very much a selfless sort of brotherly vibe. Okay. So before anyone freaks out, however, I, I do think that a coach can sometimes travel down the wrong, the wrong path if there's too much sort of protection around the quarterback. If the quarterback is very clearly making fundamental mistakes, such as like those two, that those two turnovers that we had talked about earlier, fundamental mistakes, not understandable mistakes, fundamental ones. And so if you are a coach and your entire team, you know, guys who have been playing football their entire lives, who are also making a paycheck, who in some points are also star players or, or role players or, you know, guys who, who want to win just as bad as everybody else. And you're, if you're a head coach who is constantly, and you sit there and you, you just make excuses for the guy or you protect him or you put it on yourself when it's so clearly not on you at that, in that particular example, right. um, it start, you start to wonder, I've seen it happen in locker rooms where you start, you're just like, well, what the hell, man? Like, yeah. What, you know, what, why, why, why is he so special? Why is he getting treated differently? And you hear stories about this through the decades inside locker rooms, but that's not going to happen here. And it's not happening here. And I think that's part of it is Sean McVay making the conscious and, and I think smart and forward thinking and also, um, logical even dare I say decision to offer that public criticism, because I think that will go, I think that goes a long way in a locker room and it's not something that Jared can't handle. He's, he's fine. He's going to be fine. He probably is, is just going about, he's going to go about his week the same. He always does, you know, obviously putting that extra work in with these simple mistakes as I, as I understand it, that's what's happening now. And, you know, but, but he's not going to sit there and, and get the yips all this. I mean, could it be worse? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's not going to get the yips all of a sudden because coach hurt his feelings. He's fine. He's fine. Right. Like he's processed it. It's fine. They're moving on. Yeah. And and this is, if there's one fruit of what he went through in 2016, I mean, this is it. It can never get worse than that, where the guy could <laughs> barely get off a pass and he went 0-7 and, and everything else. Got his, The coach got fired. And, I mean, he's he's been through the fire as a rookie already. But yeah, he's just, uh, he's not going to be bothered by this. I, I don't think that's true. And I, I agree, Jordan, You especially when with McVay being an offensive head coach. You don't want to. You don't want that to even have the appearance of of that. No, um, especially when your offense is statistically underperforming sure. uh, to their average. And sorry to interrupt you, Rich, but nope. not scoring over thirty points. By the way, yeah. As an offensive head coach, if you are underperforming, you cannot. If your if your unit is underperforming, by the way, has brought back much of the same personnel. Um, by the way, has has. Um, been doing similar things in years past in terms of scheme and you have an entirely new defensive scheme and several new players, new starters at certain key points. And then as an offensive coach, you know, you are then not criticizing the person who is making those egregious mistakes. You could have the nicest guys in the world in that locker room. And, and honestly, these guys are pretty dang close. They all really like each other. 
but you still are causing that, hey, man, what the hell? That's still kind of a, sure. you know, you, you can't afford to do that as an offensive head coach. Yeah, because these guys are competitive and they want to win and uh, they hold themselves accountable. So they want, I'm sure they want their head coach to hold them uh, accountable too if, if they're if they're serious about this. And, and I think that those guys are. So uh, yeah, I think it was a, it was a good move. But uh, Jordan, I want to hit two other things real quick. And uh, I know we want to talk about the, the defense too, but just, just again to... <laughs> to underscore because I'm, I'm not I'm not mocking but but I know it comes up a lot on on social media and things they are the Rams are not going to go to John Wofford um that's, no. that's not going to happen I know some people want that to happen Jared Goff is the the quarterback he just signed a massive new contract 110 million dollars guaranteed uh to people asking if they can go out and get somebody else no they cannot. Um, that's they are tied to Jared Goff. They have they are uh, to, in in wedded. Uh, well, they're not in wedded bliss at the moment, but but they are they are married for for quite a while. Uh, so that's that's not going to happen. But Jordan, uh, people did ask some reasonable, very reasonable questions about Sean McVay and and just kind of his culpability in some of this. And I got to be honest with you, I, I, I'll be really honest with you. I'm going to punt this to you because I'm really not sure, and uh, I, I I I have not been shy about criticizing uh, Sean and some of his play calling and, and things like that. But I, I don't know. How much do you think he he played a part in that on, on Sunday? How much blame do you put on his shoulders? I know a lot of people were saying like, well, how come how come they didn't get the ball to Cooper Cup? Well, uh, you know, Sean can't sit there and, and design a play or call a play that's guaranteed to get the ball to Cooper Cup. So I don't really put that on his shoulders. Uh, so but uh, this is an issue at times. I mean, is, is it fair Jordan, or, or how fair is it to, to put a little of this on Sean? I think that at some, you know, in some cases, sure, I think it could be fair. Um, by the way, Cooper Cup achieved, I think, less than a yard and a half of, of separation, which is one of his lowest all season, right. according to Next Gen Stats. So that, you know, this is such a cliche saying, but the guys, you know, football people love saying this is the other guys get paid too. Well, Cooper cup was, I mean, he was pretty well covered yeah. yesterday. So, um, and then this is a guy who can really separate, right? So this is not, you know, just for one example. And, and, and I, I, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I, I disagree with some of the calls, at least I would say on average, <laughs> two calls per game I disagree with. Yeah. And and obviously some sometimes are a lot higher than that. I disagree with giving up on third downs and running it on third and 20. I, I disagree on not going for it on um, statistically sound fourth down plays um, when you're in a, in a reasonable field position. I disagree with those types of things. But when you go back and you watch conceptually, a lot of times the design is there. And, and so it comes, it, it a lot of times it does come down to execution and in some parts, I think rhythm as well, because, because not just, it's not just about designing the right play and having, um, you know, a, a book full of successful plays that have great design, but it's also using them in certain situationals. It's also, um, you know, the rhythm of the game, when to run versus when to pass and how to, um, you know, apply that in all phases with execution. So no, I don't think that, you know, I think that yes, every game, I don't think any coach in the league has ever called a perfect game. I think that Sean does open himself up to some criticism at certain times, particularly on the points that I had mentioned previously. But, but also when it comes down to it, execution is, is 
is really hurting them at times. And you see it right there in front of you with the, with the turnover numbers and even, and this is again, and guys like the efficiency turnover efficiency, they are getting killed because their defense is actually also taking the ball away quite well, but they are still in the negative differential in turnovers. That is not good. You cannot win historically win football games that way. Right. And, and so I think it's, that is the number one thing is simple execution errors. And, and I mentioned it again in my column, I said, it's like, it's like whack-a-mole. They're playing whack-a-mole with the, with the offense because every time they fix one problem, another one pops up. And I think that's where Sean gets frustrated is because there have been times when it's been him where he's like, man, and he, at the beginning of the year, he's like, man, some of those calls were vomit inducing. Well, then there also have been execution errors. There also have been drops. There also have been like blatant overthrows or underthrows. There also have been turnovers. There also have been fumbles, you know? So I, I think it's, it's, it's not one thing. There are things that skew it more largely, yeah. such as the turnovers, but I don't think it's any one thing. But again, like, I think that, you know, a coach is never going to call a perfect game, but I think in a lot of these situations, you can see that the design is there. Right. Barring some things like, can, you know, going back, back to screens time and time again, when they're getting blown up or, um, certain run pass decisions, whatever, but, right. but, but overall in the big picture of things, you can see that the design is there. So yeah. I, I do think that that's an interesting, interesting critique, but you know, I don't think anyone's free of critique, but it is an interesting, um, thing to think about yeah and again you, you talked about the other guys get paid too the other coaches get paid too and and that's a pretty good staff that they've got over there in san francisco and uh, it's it's been that way for a while obviously they, they had a great season last year and uh, they'd probably be even better this year without all the injuries and covid19 situation and everything else i'm not trying to pump up the 49ers but let's say hey, hey let's give a little bit of credit to uh, some guys who can who can design a pretty good defense over there too so uh, i think that that needs to be said but uh, speaking of designing a pretty good defense uh <laughs> what did uh what did we make of this jordan now i i thought i know as as we usually do we're on uh, slack you know back and forth and uh i i thought i thought the defense was going to win the game there i mean they just absolutely took over you could see the, the fire just get lit, you know, obviously when Aaron Donald makes a couple huge plays and then they force a three and out and you just went, oh man, they, they're going to, they're going to pull this out, whether the offense wants to or can or, or whatever it's, it's going to happen because of this defense. Um, so an interesting game in that I believe, unless I'm really bad at math, they only, the Rams defense only allowed one touchdown. Um, right. But then again, Two drives in the fourth quarter where, yeah, they keep the 49ers out of the end zone, but they do allow two pretty good drives that that result in field goals that end up first tying the game and then winning the game with zeros on the clock. So, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little mixed. I mean, overall, it was, a, it was a good defensive effort, I thought. They had a little bit of trouble. Well, they had a lot of trouble at first, uh, kind of controlling the edges and uh, trying to figure out what to do with Debo Samuel and, and some of those things. I, I thought they got some of those things cleaned up and then again, almost threatened to take over the game there uh, late in the third quarter, early in the fourth. But then uh, they, they they softened a little bit and gave up those two big field goals. So I, I don't know. How did you how did you process that that overall game from the defense? Yeah, good, not great. I yeah. think um, they did some things that were very, very good. 
uh, they also saw some of their weaknesses exposed. And, and by that, you know, you're missing Terrell Lewis and, you know, Samson Ebucom, who I, I think has, has performed well in certain flashes, but in terms of setting the, setting the edge teams are running, you know, yeah. right at him yeah. all the time. And, and it's not, he's some, you know, with their depth on the outside right now, they're, they're having a lot of trouble setting an edge. They also had Troy reader at linebacker. And one thing that you probably don't want to do with Troy reader is run him sideline to sideline. Right. What, well, the, the 49ers did exactly that as we had predicted that they would in, in the mailbag this week. And I had asked, Brandon Staley about and Brandon Staley was like, thought as I was going to start twitching because he's like, we got to, <laughs> we got to secure our edges <laughs> because if you don't secure the edge, then, um, you know, at that point, the linebacker is taking a, a bad angle to the hit point. Then you're basically your only hope at that point is pushing a guy out of bounds. And that's what they ended up having to do with Debo Samuel. It, it was really, really evident and really, um, you know, pressure was difficult. Uh, Mullins was getting the ball out of his hand um, as quickly as Jimmy Garoppolo had before. He had something like 2.15 seconds per throw. Um, Really tough to get the pass rush going if you're getting the ball out of your hand that quickly. And then again, you get the ball out, then you can go horizontal. And if your edge isn't set, then you can get vertical, which is exactly what they were doing. So it was pretty much like a typical Shanahan deal that that has hurt them when they're stretched wider, when they're having trouble asserting what what type of blocking they're going to get um, from the guys who are on the outside helping um, the, the horizontal plays happen. And that's exactly what Troy Reader was saying when he talked to us after the game, um, the day after the game, was he was just like, man, it was, you know, it's hard to, you, you have to really start stronger. You have to start faster in terms of asserting yourself against that blocking system when they're stretching you wide, when you're having trouble securing your edge in that way. And I thought, I really thought that was the biggest problem. You know, I think that there were some confusing things about the way that they were rotating their defensive backs in. We found out Jalen Ramsey played the least snaps he's played all season. They, I, you know, Sean McVay told us that he had a little bit of a quote unquote hip thing that he reported pregame. Um, seemed like new information to the coaching staff. And so, you know, we saw him less on the field than maybe we would have. And I'm, you know, again, it's it's hard to know whether those two are related, but because the Rams also were in base quite a bit. And by yeah. base, I mean the the quote unquote three four or even less of a three, three, five that they'd been playing quite a bit of. And part of it is they don't have a lot of extra defensive backs to spare to come in and help the linebackers out first and foremost. And then you can't move Jalen in inside more because again, you're trying to seal the outsides in the perimeter because the perimeter plays are killing you. So I think that had something to do with it. But I mean, again, it's, it's, you know, I was as surprised as anyone else to find that, Jalen Ramsey apparently was dealing with a hip thing. So that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. Uh, yeah. So the numbers, I mean, Troy Hill plays 65 of the 72 snaps. Jalen Ramsey, only 50 of the 72. Uh, Darius Williams, 36. And then uh, quite a cameo appearance from David Long, who ends up playing 22 uh, of the 72 snaps. So yeah, that's not, uh, something's going on there. That That's not certainly not normal, whether it's 
uh, injury or, or whatever. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it definitely was noticeable, and I know fans were even uh, noticing it and mentioning it on Twitter during the game that uh, you know there were times when both Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald were on the sideline, and that's not an ideal situation uh, for that Rams defense. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I guess we'll see if if Jalen Ramsey pops up on a on an injury report, we won't get the next one until uh, Wednesday, I guess. But uh, definitely not, probably not an ideal situation uh, all around for for that uh, Rams defense. But um, yeah, I mean they they were almost there. Like I said, Jordan, I, uh, yeah. those Aaron Donald plays. I mean, oh my goodness. Whew. I mean, how? <laughs> I mean, what do you even say? I mean, honestly, as a right, like as a writer, what do you even say at this point? There no. aren't any words left to describe what he can do when he takes a game over and and the palpable shift in energy. And, and like, I'm, I'm, I think a blend of analytically minded and also in terms of viewing football as such an emotional game. Um, I'm probably a blend of that, but I still believe that that's such a emotional shift. Now I'm going to avoid using the phrase momentum, but I do, it's such an emotional shift and it's, it's like getting a shot of adrenaline um, you know, that scene in, in that movie with, uh, with Jonah Hill, where he gets the adrenaline shot and he's like, I'm alive. <laughs> like that, that is what Aaron Donald does to a defense. Yeah. And it, he just breaks a game open. He just does. And teams spend their entire week, if not more, figuring out ways to try to con- keep him from doing exactly what he did. And he, he breaks a game wide open and then you have a chance to go win it. And you know, the offense let you, like Cam Akers had all three carries on that drive, three play drive that he scored his, his second touchdown of the season, all three carries, all three plays were Cam Akers. Yeah. So that's a Cam Akers drive in the offensive line. And, and then you can't, you still have something like what, 12 minutes left to play and you can't put any more points up after that, even though you get the ball back because right. of a Morgan Fox sack. So, I mean, and then you miss Daryl Henderson wide open, but anyway, not to rub yeah, it in. To, that's, that's another one. I'm here for you Rams fans. I'm here for you. <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, uh, should we uh, should we talk about something positive? Uh, Abtac? Oh, I know what you're I know what you're going to say. Abtac. Always be talking about kickers. You know, I do want to shout out the one guy who comes into the athletic comment section. Mm-hmm. Great comment section, by the way. Yes. Um, he 
caught it the first time when I accidentally said abtac with a C because <laughs> the the phrase that we're playing off of is always be closing, the the old salesman phrase. Yeah. And um, so when I said abtac, always be talking about kickers, I said A-B-T-A-C, always be talking about kickers, clearly right. is wrong, but I didn't even realize it until much later. <laughs> and this guy is so funny. He will always come in and say, um, hey, this this game, you didn't you don't have to talk about kickers, but he said it he says it with a C instead of a K. <laughs> Isn't that great? That is I great. was like, oh my God, that's fantastic. Maybe we should let people on uh, the comments or on Twitter come up with what abtac with a C means. Although I that maybe that's a bad no, idea. That's enough. No, don't don't even quote that. <laughs> don't do that. We we, we might Take read some of them on the podcast, <laughs> probably not all of them. Uh but uh as as shocking as this is to say, Jordan, in in uh, this late in the season, the Rams had no issues at kicker on Friday on a Sunday. So I don't even know what day it is. Uh, Matt Gay, you can literally cannot ask for any more than what Matt Gay did in that game on Sunday. I mean, he hits two pretty good field goals. He's he's good from forty eight and forty one. He makes both of his extra points and booms. Five touchbacks through through the end zone. No doubters. Five, five whole touchbacks in one game. <laughs> yeah, that's it's. Uh, I, I mean, it, you, you almost you almost hesitate to to, to jinx it, but uh, it kind of looks like the Rams found their guy. Sean McVay sounded a little fired up too. Not as fired up as he was the, the previous week, but uh, he, he sounded pretty yeah. happy. Yeah, you know, he was. Uh... I think still a little bit frustrated when he spoke. So I can, no, no worries, man. It's, I get it. That's fine. But I did get in a kicker question at the end. Um, and I, you know, it, they sound really enthusiastic about Matt. And I think that's, that's good. That's sort of a unclenched situation. Cause as we know, it's been a journey to get here. And the fact that as the ball was coming off his foot, it, it wasn't like, there wasn't a whole lot of worry about it. The trajectory was really good. Um, he basically shot his touchbacks out of a cannon. And if the cannon was angled upward at a 45 degree angle sure. and you know, it was, it was really, um, it was really a solid game from Matt that makes you sort of unclench. I think if you're the Rams personnel staff and you're sort of watching that. And I think importantly too, on uh, the, what was it? The 53, what was it? 41, 48 yard field goal. Um, that 48 yard field goal, he had some room at the end. Yeah. And that's also important because you're still in the process of establishing what this guy's range is. You're kicking in pretty ideal situations at this point, um, weather wise. And so you're, you're sort of now, um, you're now in a more of a controlled situation. And so now you're sort of establishing range and you're, you're developing trust in the kicker and, and all of these different things. And so to be able to, to boom a 48 yarder with um, some room left over, I think is a really, really good thing. And Matt technically has to stay on the 53 man roster this year because of COVID rules has to stay through uh, this upcoming game against Arizona before they would even be allowed to, even cut him or then cut him and then bring him back to the practice squad or whatever they would do. But so far that's not something that's really in consideration because he's been doing very, very well for them. So this, if this three week period is his quote unquote tryout period, he's, he's performing. He's definitely, um, you know, meeting 
if not meeting, definitely exceeding expectations for sure. Yeah, no, there's there's no question about it. It's and that that's going to be important. I mean, he uh, he easily could have uh, you know won this game for the for the Rams uh, on Sunday with with the performance. I mean, he puts uh, he puts a lot of points on the board. I mean, he puts. Uh, eight points. He puts eight points on the board just by himself there, and and when you can rely on that in a in a tight game, that is no small thing. And we don't need to tell Rams fans that after what they've seen earlier uh, this season. But uh, Jordan, you know, seven and four, right? I mean, as as wild as it is to think, there's only five games left in in this regular season. I don't know how. I don't know where they went. Uh, it goes so very fast, but you're looking at the, the bookends, the Arizona Cardinals, of course, this, uh, this weekend on the road and then the season ender at SoFi stadium. And then in the middle, you've got the Patriots at home. You've got the New York jets at home. And then of course you've got uh, quite a rematch up there in, uh, Seattle. So, it's going to be, uh, you, you obviously, again, you, you, you do the math on your hands, right? I mean, you, you got seven wins, you play the Jets. If you don't lose that one, I mean, if you don't win that one, you might as well just not play the last two. I don't know what the point is if, if you can't beat the Jets. Um, so you're looking at eight. Uh, New England looks to me to be a pretty winnable game. Uh, obviously, Bill Belichick's always going to have some stuff up his sleeve for, for Sean McVay, but there's a pretty good path there to win number nine. Uh, and then you've got three really tough division games. And I, I think it's really going to come down to how do you do in those three games? And I can't wait to see this game um, at Arizona. I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup with this Rams defense and, and that Cardinals offense. Uh, Arizona, you know, they're, they're back to six and five now. So they've lost two in a row. They're, they're, they're stumbling a little bit. And I think that was kind of the question with them is how are they going to fare uh, down the stretch, but that's still a really potent team. And and Jordan, I, I look at this game as a really, really important one because you don't want to get to those last two games. You don't want to get to at Seattle and versus the Cardinals and need to win both of those games. So I, I think these next three games, and especially starting this Arizona game, is going to be really, really important. Yeah, you want to be just. I'm just rephrasing what you said. Is you want to be able to decide your own fate earlier. Yeah. And so I think that, that obviously that establishes that, um, you know, not to just so abruptly pivot rich, but actually, as we were looking at this, I'm looking at the, the score, um, chart yesterday and I'm realizing, I mean, I knew it at the time, but I'm realizing that once you said it, it's just the light bulb went off. Matt Gay responsible for eight points, Rams defense responsible for six points, Rams offense. Cam Akers on every single play responsible for six points. Not great, man. Not great. But anyway, yes, these are, these are things that they need to, to hammer out. And, and yeah, it's just like what you said, you really, really want to be in a position where you're at least having some say over your fate. You're not sitting and waiting for other results to happen. You kind of know where you stand. And then let's keep in mind too, guys, they are getting some people back. They're expecting to get Micah Kaiser back. They're expecting to get Taylor Rapp back. They actually are expecting to get Andrew Whitworth back. So, yeah. you know, these these are things that if you can decide your fate early on, you can certifiably cruise into the playoffs, even if it's not like a totally stellar playoff seat. Knock on wood, you're still healthier than most of the teams around the league right now. You have managed to keep your ecosystem largely intact. And you're getting guys back at the right time. So I think that 
you really want to win these these next couple, starting with Sunday in Arizona. I can't wait. It's going to be a great game to watch, I think. And uh, there's nobody better to follow along with than Jordan Rodrigue. And you can read her coverage uh, at The Athletic on our app, on our website. And uh, definitely follow along on Twitter also at Jordan Rodrigue. For those who don't know, Jordan does a mailbag at the end of every week, every Friday. So if you have questions that maybe we didn't address uh, on the podcast. It's a great opportunity uh, to go on and ask your questions and then you can uh, subscribe and then read the mailbag when it's it's posted on Friday. Jordan puts a ton of, of thoughts and research into her answers. So if you ask a question, I guarantee you uh, you're going to get a good answer. And Jordan, one of your very favorite things in the entire world, what is it and how can our friends get it? Yeah. So you guys, even though our Black Friday sale ended um, at midnight on November 30th, aka December 1st, and holy crap, it's December, you can, you can, I know, oh my God, you can always, always, always get some sort of a discount when you subscribe to theathletic.com through the 11 personnel podcast. I cannot stress that enough. It's my favorite thing in the world. Um, we have just exploded in subscribers this year, and I'm just so grateful to all of you guys who have jumped on um, to listen to us, to read our coverage. Um, Rich um, is, we just, I mean, I, 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 I'm gushing now. I know that I, I, I risk this all the time because I'm just so grateful, but Rich Hammond, best editor in the world. Um, you can follow him at Rich underscore Hammond. Also get some great spicy uniform takes. Oh, yeah. Always. Yeah. And as usual, we are going to be here um, every week for you guys through the season. And you can find us anywhere you get your podcast. But if you find us on iTunes, please leave us a review. We would like five stars, but we are a little bit biased. And we read everything you guys write to us. So whether it's uh, a question in the mailbag um, Folks on Twitter, I do go back and I read through. At the end of every week, I go back and I read through different questions. If I am able to answer it at that time, then I then I try to do it. If I need to poke around a little bit, trust me, I still have it in my mind and I'll try to get back to you. And um, man, thanks for listening. 